Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Batter Hello, Mets fans. Uh, welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. Uh, we are on episode six. Um, we have a lot in store for you today. Um, and I am joined by my co-hosts once again, Maggie Wiggin. Hi. And Linda Sarovich. Hi, Linda. Hello, Allison. Um, like I said, we have a lot in store for you today. Um, we're going to talk about domestic violence today. Um, I, I will have another content warning before, uh, for you guys, like ahead of that segment, but just heads up, that is the discussion we will have today. So y'all can emotionally prepare yourselves for that. Um, this conversation has been a long time coming now, so we will talk about that in the second half of the show. Um, the first half of the show won't necessarily be any sunnier because we're going to be talking about the current state of the Mets, which is, a uh, fairly not good folks. Um, Things are, it's things not are what bad. you want. Not, not what, what you want. want. No, no. <laughs> so I guess um, of all the uh, events of recently that went down, uh, we'll start with the Denny Echeverria move, um, which was kind of surprising. Um, they, um, the Mets called up Denny Echeverria from the minor leagues, um, and they sent down Dominic Smith. Um, who had been performing well, albeit a little, you know, uh, BAPIP inflated. But, you know, the results were there for Smith. And so it was somewhat shocking. You know, it was another instance of the Mets going with 
a, you know, a veteran over a young upstart guy who's, you know, who's done his job to prove that he belongs sort of narrative. So it just proves that you can change the regime all you want, but it's still the same old Mets stuff. So, yeah. That's... Well, it's another one of those, like, head scratchers where, um, so they they obviously waited until Echeverria's salary went down a certain amount I forget it was like a, a million dollar difference or something if yeah. he was um, promoted when he was as opposed to a week earlier which was the last time they'd had a backup shortstop on the, the roster so I guess like my question is if they had done fine without a backup shortstop why are you sending down your only lefty bench bat for a backup shortstop that now you have to pay and like look I think baseball players should get paid but the Mets generally do not so it's not so much that I think Hitchavaria shouldn't get his salary but it's more like I can't believe the Mets are paying him his salary when they had the option to not well and also I thought the timing of it was also weird because Lowry was in rehab games he was coming back and he can play short so why couldn't you just wait another week until Lowry came back. Why did this move need to be done now? Or even bring back Luis Guillorme, who's basically a Danny Echeverria, and he's cheaper. Like, and a lefty. Yes. Yeah, what triggered this, essentially, is that um, Denny Echeverria had an opt-out clause in his contract. When I first saw this move, I was like, what the hell? It seemed to come out completely out of left field, and I was extremely confused by it. But then once I saw the details about the opt-out, I had completely forgotten about this opt-out. And was his opt-out, like, now? I mean, yes. was he... Okay. So his opt-out was um, on May 1, and he chose to exercise his opt-out, meaning the Mets had 48 hours to decide whether to put him on the roster or release him. So the Mets decided that they couldn't possibly lose the services of a Denny Echevarria and they needed to add him because otherwise they were going to lose him to some other team. That is what triggered this move. However, I, be, I am surprised that they went there. I'm surprised they didn't just release him, honestly. A little bit surprised, but not surprised because it's the Mets. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird, again, because like he's so, he's so redundant to, to the types of players that they already have available but you know i guess i i don't want to say he's the least of our problems because it's not the least of the problems but he's not the biggest of the problems either no and i mean like he this when we're talking about proportionate impact i mean you know yeah this is a problem in the sense that it's emblematic of Yes, it's definitely a representative situation. (laughs) Exactly. That's the way in which it's the problem. As far as, like, actual in-game impacts, as far as, like, you know, wins above replacement, if we're going to go into that sort of math, it's probably not going to make all that much of a difference. The, like, 0.2 FWAR difference between, like, what Dominic Smith would have provided off the bench and what a Denny Echeverria is going to provide. They think he's going to provide positional flexibility, Um, but... He has only played shortstop, essentially, in his entire Major League career. The Mets put him, gave him some innings at second and third base, I believe, um, in Syracuse. But he's played very little in his Major League career at either of those positions. I think he only has, like, a combined, like, 40 innings in his entire long Major League career, not at shortstop. So they're saying positional flexibility. But you, but like Linda said, we've already seen that Luis Guillorme can provide the same thing without really hitting all that much. So it, it is confusing that the Mets chose to pay a dude, 
you know, more money to do this when historically they've not wanted to pay money to do this. But then again, they love their veterans, so... <laughs> well, and also it seemed like they handled it bad. Like, I believe it was Tim Healy. Um, he tweeted that Dominic Smith was blindsided by the move. So you couldn't even give him a heads up, like, hey, we're thinking of calling Echeverria up. You might be the one sent down. Like, you know, he was playing well for you, and so he probably did expect to stay up. He he deserved, for the most part, to stay up. And listen, like yeah, like you said, the timing is weird because Lowry's being activated soon, and yeah. yes, Smith's days might have been numbered pretty soon anyway on this roster, given the way it's constructed. However, you know, I think he deserved, you know, to stay here at least that long, at least until Lowry came back. But instead, they decided. Yeah, to I would this. accept him going down for. Yeah, I would accept him to go down for Lowry more than Echeverria. Yeah, and I'm not saying that you know Dom Smith is going to be hitting 300 for the duration, but it is just a weird choice to send down a guy when he's decidedly not struggling. Like, don't get me wrong. I think Dom Smith will struggle and probably soon, but you sort of kind of want to ride what you can get while he's kind of in his own right now. I mean, that's, that's what I would do if I were running the Mets. Yeah. And they had, and like Bertie Van Wagenen had kind of, built up all this goodwill by putting, by saying it's a meritocracy at the beginning of the season, putting Pete Alonso on the roster from the beginning and rostering Dom Smith in addition because he felt he deserved it. And now I feel like he's just like kind of undid all of that. Like, yeah. you know, with all of this other stuff going on, obviously the Mets keep Metsing with the whole Darno situation, yada, yada. We talked about that last week, but you know, not only do the Mets keep Metsing, they're going against what they said literally like a month ago. <laughs> Well, and it was a move, it was a roster choice, you know, rostering two first baseman only players in a non-platoon situation, because they said early on there was not going to be a a straight platoon, and it has not been. But, you know, it's a roster move that's kind of a head-scratcher on the the surface, but it was working. Like, they were actually, like, the playing time distribution seemed pretty good, they were getting... Uh, Smith in there sometimes at the end of games for defense like it it was actually working and now it's nothing yeah and the and going back to the bonuses you mentioned in Denny Echeverria's contract he has two of them so his base salary is three million dollars um, that will be prorated because obviously he wasn't on the roster to start the season. So it'll be prorated somewhat. So it'll be a little less than $3 million base salary. He has two bonuses, $1 million each. Um, one kicks in at 100 days on the active roster and one kicks in at 150 days on the active roster. Now, a couple people on Twitter had different math regarding this, but the day he was brought up, on that day, there were 150 days exactly left in the season, I believe. And so he would literally have to stay on the active roster the entire rest of the season to have that second bonus kicked in. But if it does, that's close to $5 million you will be spending on Adenia Trevoria. So I'm when they all went- for salary, pay- for, you know, increasing payroll, but that's not how I would have done it. No, and they refused to pay $2 million to Gio Gonzalez, who looked fantastic in both of his starts against the Mets. Yeah, exactly. This is this is not a paying the players problem. This is an allocation of resources problem. Uh-huh. 
Um, they, you know, they did this with Travis Darno too. Like, I'm not saying Travis Darno didn't deserve a chance or deserve his salary even, but, you know, they could have allocated that money a different way because they had other options at catcher that they chose, cheaper ones in Kevin Plucky that they chose not to give, give that money to. And instead they gave Travis Darno more money. Um, and the money that they could have saved in kind of just keeping Pulecki around and non-tendering Darno and not doing this with a Denny Echevarria is enough for one Gio Gonzalez plus, plus probably another relief pitcher. And these are the types of players you need more so than the players that you paid the money to. It's just poor roster construction and poor allocation of resources, which is just so mess. It is. Like, this is the same song every year, and I'm getting... getting real tired of of the same thing happening over and over again and what's frustrating is like they knew about Matt's nerve issue when Gio Gonzalez signed they knew about it uh-huh. now we know now we know this timeline um we knew Matt's was like we didn't know Matt's had a nerve issue they knew he was attempting to pitch through it which again very Mets um and they knew that this was potentially a problem down the line for them, and they decided not to allocate those resources to Gio Gonzalez, but instead to Adeni Echeverria. It makes no damn sense at all. And, like, again, there's Brody walking in, like, in the beginning of the offseason, saying, we're eliminating what-ifs, and now the roster is just riddled with what-ifs. Like, good job there, Brody. <laughs> well, you know, if anybody on the planet needs an infielder, We've got a thousand of them. That's and true. Can, but no other players, just a thousand infielders and like 14 Juan Ligarises. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. We have players who are basically all the same. Yep. You Oof. want your defense first infielders? We got those. We got those in, in droves. We're just um, not playing them because our defense is terrible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, yeah, and now I, now the pitching depth, which we knew was a problem before the uh-huh. season started, and even and even after the Jason Vargas struggles and his inability to go deep into games, you know, now it's been really exposed. The pitching is extremely thin at this point, but somehow they've muddled through, and the pitching has figured its shit out, because De- yeah. mostly because DeGrom and Syndergaard are pitching a lot more like DeGrom and Syndergaard now, which is good. That's an well, extremely positive development probably the most positive Mets-related development that exists. But, of course, the second the pitching figures its shit out, they all get hurt, and we can't score runs. Like, <laughs> both well, It's almost like pitchers once. get hurt. It's almost like that is a common thing that happens hmm. that teams should maybe want to Address. account for. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's... even, like, are we going to have the entire Syracuse, like, bullpen up eventually? Like, I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. every pitcher on Syracuse has been on the Mets bullpen, and it's May, what's today's date? May 7th? May 7th. They need yeah. all those frequent flyer miles to cash in to pay Hedgeperia, so. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, we are recording on May 7th, and they have already cycled through, like, the entire, like, all of the pitchers that we saw last year. When mm-hmm. the Mets were struggling, they have already cycled through all of those dudes. Every single one of them has been up and down, up and down, up and down. And honestly, like, that's fine if you're only doing that for, like, one spot in your bullpen, which I expected that to happen. And that would have been, you know, fine. It would have been better if they had avoided that by paying, like, Warren, like, $2 million or something. But, you know, whatever. Um, 
cycling up and down all those carousel of dudes for one spot is fine, but they're doing it for like most of their bullpen spots at this point because of injury. Um, yeah. Because Jerry's familia is on the injured list. They just activated Justin Wilson, but he was on the injured list. Luis Avilon is now on the injured list as well. Because fancy that, maybe using your left-handed specialist <laughs> as a multi-inning reliever is not the best strategy, especially when he has an injury history and had his velocity drop not one season ago. <laughs> oh, he's this year's Jim Henderson. Yeah, they broke him. They broke him, and it's like... Come on, guys. This is not There's how he was supposed to be utilized. Like, Jesus Christ, Mets. Like, you took a left-handed specialist and tried to make him a multi-inning reliever because you, I guess, you needed, they needed innings is the problem. The starters yeah. weren't going deep. And now, of course, the starters have figured it out. And Luis Avilon's on the entry list. Well, and that was certainly half the problem there for a while. And the reason that I think the, the merry-go-round really kicked up when you kept having those consecutive, like, in Steven Matz's case, zero inning starts yeah, yeah, yeah. and they would have a guy and he would be just fine, but he would also throw like 85 pitches and need to be sent back down again because they again had no, no available arms in the bullpen. So I'm thinking like Drew Gagnon was one. Um, Peterson. I think even, yeah. They, they each came up and they would have like, a really like seems like a contradiction to say a solid mop-up game but a solid mop-up game and then be rewarded with a ticket back to Syracuse because because they had thrown 85 pitches in relief and would not be available for a solid week yeah (laughs) well then then also was like yeah it's it's snowballs you had both Vargas and Matt shit the bed back to back and then, so then you needed length out of your bullpen. Then you needed fresh arms. Plus, the schedule's been really bad. They haven't really had days off. They've been mostly on the road. So it just kind of all was like this perfect storm of crap that led to every per- person from Syracuse needing to be in the bullpen. Yeah. Luckily, this week, the schedule calms down like a little bit, as in they have days off. Um, and over the next week or two, um, and it has led to them, um, you know, calling, uh, actually trading for, um, Wilmer Font, um, who is a, a pitcher who was on the Rays. He was used kind of mix of starting and relieving the Rays. We know the Rays are really smart about their pitching staff and they like to mix in openers and relievers and guys who do spot starts they kind of like their roles are very fluid in that um in that staff um so Wilmer Font was kind of like a flex dude like that um but he's taking the next start for the Mets um we have learned in place of Steven Matz and they are hoping that because they are suddenly getting a couple of days off that because Matz and Vargas are both hurt at once <laughs> they're hoping that they can just use Wilmer Font in the one Matz slot and they can skip the fifth starter slot and then by the time they need a fifth starter again Jason Vargas will be able to come off the injured list now you know all well-laid plans usually go awry when it comes to the Mets so who knows if that's what's actually going well, to happen and what you're and when you're anxiously waiting the return of Jason Vargas <laughs> good lord <laughs> you know that it's it's just a tough time right now. And nothing like to base your plans on wishful thinking. Like, that's yep. a solid business plan right there, sure guys. Hope, sure hope Jason Vargas is ready in time, y'all. Yeah. Yeah, no That'll setbacks. That'll just make my day. Might, might uh, you know, not be as much of a problem if we had signed Gio Gonzalez. Hmm. 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 
So come and get us, National League. <laughs> come and get us, NL East. Yo. <laughs> Well, not only did the NL East come and get us, the whole National League did. You know, I don't know. Is the offense going to stay this bad? I don't actually know. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, Becky, you this bad. Okay, yeah. I did. So, I mean, I wrote, there's there's a couple different things that are sort of going on. And I think there are so many guys mired in these extremely deep slumps that it just, you just don't have players hitting you know, a buck 25 indefinitely. Like they are going to get somewhat better just, just because it's very difficult to suck this bad. But the question is how much better? And the bigger question is, is Chili Davis the guy who you want manning your offense when the ball is basically a tennis ball? Like that's, that's kind of, maybe you want somebody who thinks home runs are good. I don't know. It's wild because I mean, I know that the Mets have had some turnover in personnel as far as like their players. They, they have a lot of new faces this year, but um, the core players have remained the same. And, you know, it's wild how in just a couple of short years, we've gone from one of the most reliant offenses on home runs in the entire league to you know the least power in the entire league and I don't think that that's in like I don't think that that's a coincidence I think a lot of that has to do with the Chili Davis's philosophy on hitting and like can't we do a happy medium you guys like god damn <laughs> well I think part of it is also um like two big pieces of the offense of the last year so kind of the home run era was really like 16, 17 last year was sort of in between, but like the two guys that are still really there from last year are Nimmo and McNeil and they're not power guys. So it's hard to do a one-to-one comparison just because they are good offensive pieces who are not going to give you a lot of home runs. But if you just look at where the team ranks in the league in power hitting, it's just not good. Like, they can't, they're just not keeping up. And that's what's really concerning is that like everyone else is hitting for power and scoring a million runs and the Mets are not at all. And that's not sustainable. No one, like no one's hitting home runs on this roster besides Pete Alonso. And like, and there, and it's not like there is no one that should be. Cano should be hitting them. Conforto should be hitting them. Ramos should be hitting them. Conforto's doing pretty good. Yeah, he's like the last week or so has slowed down, but like Conforto, I'm not worried about. But definitely worried about Cano. Definitely worried about Ramos. Yeah, like he doesn't, you know, all. he's he's not going to be like a twenty home run guy, but he's hitting nothing off the ground, and that's that's not what you want to see. Well, what I don't get is they made a big show of overhauling their analytics department. They're like, oh, we're going to add more people. We're going to invest in analytics this year, and then they hired Chili Davis, which seems to be at odds of hiring more analytically minded people into the front office so is there a disconnect there is like what's your philosophy here yeah i don't know seems yeah seems contradictory you know it does because now we've completely eschewed launch angle and everything yeah Yeah. i mean (laughs) what's ironic to me 
is that one of the people who's probably benefited most from Chili Davis's tutelage is Dominic Smith, (laughs) who stopped selling out for power, which is what he was doing at the end of last year. He actually hit quite a few home runs last year. I think he hit like you know, close to 10 in his short, like, span. Obviously, he wasn't up the whole year. He hit, like, close to 10 during that time he was up, but yeah, he hit nothing else. his profile totally changed between when he was first in the minors and then when he appeared in the majors and now back again of, like, high average, low Ks, low power. Then he came to the majors and it was low average, more power, lots of Ks, and now back to what worked for him in the minors, which is the higher average and the lower power, and that's fine. And if making that's who solid he is. contact yeah. and not selling out for power every time, which probably has been Chili Davis's influence. I'd at least guess that that's part of it. Um, so, ironically, the one guy that's benefited the most is was immediately sent down. So, you know, but otherwise, the team seems to have suffered from it. And I wonder how much longer of this world, this world meaning the Mets. Um, are Mickey Calloway and Chili Davis and potentially Dave Island if things continue to go south for this team. It's well, it's not looking good in my Well, view. it's almost like Chili Davis got fired from the Cubs for a reason. Huh, shocking. One of the well, more, does... you know, analytically oriented franchises, too. Mm-hmm. It does make me wonder, though, um, with Brody Van Wagenen, this Chili Davis kind of being his first big coaching staff addition, I believe. Yeah. He may, he may be kind of inclined to stick with him so i don't know i i my guess is that they would have to be this bad for a while longer yeah and i don't even know if it would necessarily help then they're in kind of a it's not pretty yeah it would be too late then if they waited that much longer yeah like if this continues for a full month like june last year that was their that was their year they couldn't recover from june so if they have another june this year in may if that they're makes done. any sense. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah. done. They're not going to recover. But think about how cheap those September tickets on StubHub will be, y'all. Oh, yeah. I got some good ones last year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right behind home plate for like 40 bucks a piece. Oh, I was three rows behind the dugout. Nice. Yeah. I got the weight service. It's awesome. The squishy nice. seats. Yes, nice. the squishy seats. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, if they have it, if they have another month like that, they're done. And it's unfortunate because, I, like we've like we've emphasized on this podcast before, I think that the other NL East teams are highly flawed. I don't think anyone is running away with this division. And I mean, obviously, I think the Phillies are looking the best out of them, but I don't think that the Phillies are looking like some sort of impenetrable powerhouse right no. now. You know, and the like, Nats the are looking extremely problematic. The Nats look almost as bad as the Mets do, if not worse. And so, yeah. you know, that's the most frustrating thing is like the Mets will be done if they keep playing this poorly because, you know, you can't keep playing this poorly and win anything. But, you know, if they could even just be a little better, <laughs> they could stay in there for a long time because the division is overall looking pretty mediocre and it's frustrating. So Mets, step up your game a little bit. Make these games interesting. I at least had hoped that it would be an interesting race into the summer. And I maintain some shred of hope that that might be the case, but it's waning quickly. So please get your shit together a little bit. Um, So we would just like to close this Mets segment out. Um, You know, it's been a rough week in Mets world between, you know, the play on the field and also we recently got news um, that Ron Darling, beloved broadcaster, color, color commentator on SNY, 
um, for the Mets broadcasts, was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. Um, he had a large mass removed from his chest in mid-April and is currently on a medical leave of absence from broadcasting ballgames. Um, and, you know, we it was unclear whether that mass was cancerous or not. And we have since learned that he had follow-up tests after the removal of that mass, and he does indeed have thyroid cancer. Um, luckily, thyroid cancer, um, from what I know about it, is, you know, one of the, like, better diagnoses you can get when it comes to cancer. Um, it has a high five-year survival rate. Of course, this all depends on a whole host of factors, um, especially the specific type that he has, what stage it is, et cetera, and we are not privy to those details. Um, but we just, we at a pot of their own and at Amazing Avenue, just want to wish Ron Darling the best in his recovery, and we hope that we'll be seeing him back in the broadcast booth really, really soon. Um, so we are going to take a break now, um, and when we get back, um, we will do our baseball segment for this week, which will be about domestic violence, so stay tuned. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, and we are back. Um... Just a heads up to our listeners, before we begin this segment, um, I'd just like to let our listeners know that we will be speaking about the experience of domestic violence. Um, so if you are a person for whom this hits close to home, if you're listening with young kids, perhaps, if you have experience with this, you want to give it a pass, you can skip ahead the next 20 minutes or so. Um, check AmazingAvenue.com. When this show goes live, we'll have timestamps for you for when each segment ends and begins. So you will be able to see where this segment begins. So if you want to sit this one out, please do so. Um, but yeah, we will be discussing some heady topics. So um, just a content warning for that. Um, so we'll start things off um, talking about Addison Russell because he's obviously the most, you know, um, the, the guy that's in the news the most right now regarding this. Um, Addison Russell has served his, his suspension, um, and he is now allowed to return to baseball. Um, his first eligible game was May 3rd, I believe. Um, but he is in the minors for the time being, um, in part because of the, um, <laughs> the understandable backlash that ensued um, when, you know, people learned that he was, like, getting ready to come back. Um, but everything in the press right now, everything has just been redemption narrative story after redemption narrative story. Um, and it's been extremely frustrating. The most forefront of these has been, um, a column that was written by Bob Nightingale for USA Today, um, you know, where he interviews Russell and Russell gives a lot of quotes that are, you know, less than great, uh, in my opinion. Um, and he doesn't really challenge these quotes and he builds this narrative around, you know, redemption, redemption, um, and it's just frustrating 
to read these things as a woman. It's really, really hard to read these things. Well, and also, Addison Russell's never admitted it, never apologized. So what did he do to even earn these redemption narratives? It's the Cubs controlling the narrative, which was the rumor that they went after Cheryl Ring. And I think their vice president of communications told her to take a tweet down, or they went to Fangraphs to take her her tweet down. Um, Like, they flat out admitted that they're going... he went after her for her tweet saying that uh, um, reporters were being pressured into um, writing these puff pieces. And the puff pieces are having the desired effect because he got a standing ovation his first at bat in the minor leagues, which is horrific and disgusting. Well, and um, also just to be clear, Cheryl Ring is not the first or the last person in the media i've heard um mention this specific situation the cubs as a team pressuring writers to frame stories in certain ways and even having consequences for them around stories that they didn't like so it's it hasn't been like public by very very many people but like the conversation has been happening a lot that this is unknown this is a known pattern for them well and they seem to have bungled it right from the beginning like they could have cut him in the off season yet they re-signed him and gave him a bonus for the salary he lost last year i think it was four million dollars so if he doesn't get suspended again he he recoups the money he lost last year from his suspension which was very shitty of them to do like did he get punished then at that point yeah yeah. yeah, well, I think that's so part of the problem, I think, that all sports face is that they have no good ideas for how no. to punish this kind of atrocious behavior. And that's, you know, they domestic violence falls outside of the realm of traditional law enforcement for a lot of reasons. And I think this is important for that not everybody necessarily realizes is that there are dozens of different reasons why it could be dangerous or disadvantageous or risky for a, an abused partner to press charges. Like there's a lot uh, that comes along with that. Not to mention that oftentimes they want to press charges and prosecutors don't think they have a good enough case. So it doesn't matter anyway. And now the person who you wanted to press charges against is free and available to potentially hurt you. But in any case, so assuming that, for Addison Russell, like for so many abusers before him, that that your standard judicial system is not going to levy the punishment. MLB is basically has their hands tied because, yeah, so you, you suspend the guy without pay. Hopefully, hopefully the team doesn't like give him that pay anyway. But it's still not a huge impact on a millionaire. So... The actual, like, the actual punishment, the actual, like, repercussions and disincentive, it just isn't there. The incentive that would be there to work would be social stigma for having the, you know, their peers around them tell, saying publicly, this was a bad thing to do. I'm disappointed in you. I'm angry. I'm upset. I think, you know, I wonder if you're really the good guy I believed you were before. 
before, but that doesn't happen either. Instead, what happens is all of the peers and the media are lined up around the block to talk about how I know you're a good person. We're just going to put this behind us. Like, I can't wait for you to redeem yourself through playing sports. Good. Like it's, (laughs) it's the exact opposite of what abusers need to hear, which is that you were wrong. You did something that was messed up. Like he, he physically abused his pregnant wife. Like he tried to trip her while she was pregnant. Yeah. I don't know how you can know that about a peer and stand up publicly and say that he's a good guy and you have his back. Yeah. And this is not, and they're treating it like the the problem is, is that they're treating it like it's this oopsie. Like it's just a, a, a like, Oh, whoops did that. My bad. And then they're like, Oh, everybody makes mistakes. Like I, I don't know about y'all, but no, I have not, I have not physically and psychologically injured a person in my life. Yeah, just like whoops, accidentally did that. In the, yeah. in the heat of the moment, that I just accidentally like in, inflicted physical harm on somebody. No, that's not a thing. And yeah, who was uh, Linda? I think that you mentioned it was Anthony Rizzo, right? Who gave that quote yeah. that it was just part of the cycle of life or something like that? Yeah, or something that's a part of life or something and like I just, that. Like, yeah. I lost my shit when I saw that. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, well, and then he he doubled down. Like, I think a year later, he was like, why is this investigation still going on? Seems like somebody's not doing their job good. Um, and then they asked him, have you read up about it? No. So no. it's like there's no incentive for these players to learn, to educate themselves on this topic. They just, it seems like they don't care. That's how it comes across is nobody cares about what these women go through. Right. Well, and normalizing it does does harm on both sides because normalizing it as this thing that that everybody does or like whoops I you know My accidentally dad. put you in the hospital like sorry um, like normalizing it first sends the message to the abusers that that they don't need to change that their behavior is normal that it is defensible and then it also sends the message to their victims mm-hmm. that. This is just part of life. And maybe you don't need to leave this person because the next guy will probably do the same thing, which is a major part of the psychological game of abuse that that it is absolutely part of the mindset that if I leave him, the next guy will treat me just as badly. Like that is super common. Um, and so so you're so Anthony Rizzo is also telling Melissa here, you know, what, what my buddy did to you is, is within the normal range of human behavior. And it's not. Yeah. And well, he- and I also hate that the response is also, we're, we'll just give money to women's shelters. Like, oh, we care. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna throw some money at the problem that the, the women's shelters are reactionary. We don't want women's shelters. We want to eradicate domestic violence. Like, yes, I'm sure they're, they have a deep need for the money. And to make sure these women are safe. Yes, and the money is is good. Is good, but we but... need to get to the deeper root of the issue: education, um, counseling services, like mental health resources. Like that's what we need to be focusing on. Because when you're giving money to the shelters, it's too late at that point. Women are already suffering at that point. Where we don't we don't want it to get to that point. That's that's the problem. And like it is. Is it just saving face? Do they even really 
care enough like that's that's your that's your answer is just throwing money at the problem basically anthony rizzo had stood up and said what addison russell did was disgusting hurting your partner threatening your child making her feel unsafe is is awful and gross and i don't know how how i'm gonna look you in the eye every day if he had said that Mm -hmm. publicly that would make such a bigger impact than throwing some money at the issue. And more, I mean, him saying that would make a big impact. If all of them were saying that, then we would actually be seeing the chance for some real change to change the narrative about, you know, guys just get angry at these whiny ladies and what choice do they have? Like, it's this like, oops, I slipped up and like threw you across the room while you were holding your baby. Like, that's, well, because I also the, the framing of it is so messed up. I also wonder if the teams tell them you can't speak out against it. But also, you're Anthony Rizzo. What are the Cubs going to do to you if you speak out against it? Like, well, as we've seen, talent trumps all. Like, as, so you're you're going to be just fine if you say domestic violence is wrong. You shouldn't hit your pregnant wife. Like, I would have so much more. And even if they did fine him. That would, A, make the Cubs look bad, and B, I'd have so much more respect for him if he did do that. Yeah, if the Cubs are going around telling players that they cannot be too vocal about domestic violence, then that's all the more reason that they need to be talking about that, because that would be, I mean, 100% believable, especially a team like the Cubs, which has a lot of issues, I would say, but... For sure. I mean, this that's just the way that domestic violence is always framed. It's it's framed like an opportunity yeah. for the abuser mm-hmm. and not a terrible action that was done knowingly. Yeah. It's, it's framed as a challenge that the abuser has to overcome yeah. rather yes. than and that something that overcome. happened to a victim. Rather than something that happened to a victim, a human being. And I think that these people who shape this narrative between the players and the media and all of the fans who want to bend over backwards to defend players who have, who have done these things. Their idea of redemption to me is an extremely fucked up idea of redemption. Sorry to be blunt. But because like when they say things like, don't you believe in redemption? Yeah, I actually do believe in redemption. And I think that most people do believe in redemption, but this isn't what redemption is. Redemption Mm-mm. is something that is earned. You have to do the work. They haven't done yeah. the work. They, they if Addison say, Russell goes out and hits 400 for the rest of the season, that doesn't mean he's redeemed. No. If he leads the Cubs to a World Series, that has zero impact whatsoever on his moral and ethical standing as an abusive partner. They are unrelated, irrelevant things. Well, that's the heart of the problem is that talent trumps all. Like, if Edison Russell wasn't that good of a baseball player, would the Cubs have caught him, kept him? Maybe not. Like, if he was a replacement player, only hit, like, 200 in the majors, would they have kept him? Probably not. Oh, yeah, they make this an economic decision about whether, you know, the player is worth, like, the headache of his, you know, baggage. Those are the types of terms they use. Those are the types of terms they use. And it's like, you know, you have to put in the fucking work. Like, you have to show me 
that you have done some level of self-evaluation and introspection here. He has shown me none of that, nor have any of these other players that have done these things. They have shown me none of that to make me believe that they are changed people. (laughs) And to be fair, like, it is quite likely that we would not be privy to a legitimate redemption arc. But it's you can tell from the way things are framed and discussed if somebody actually understands what they did wrong. And Addison Russell has been absolutely clear that in the way he talks about, you know, the incidents and his, his ex-wife, there's no mistaking the, the narcissism and the, the lack of, of, you know, regret around what happened there. Or like empathy. Yeah, it's, it's just completely devoid uh, in all of what he has said about the situation, which incidentally is not much. But ultimately, he will be redeemed when his ex-wife can sleep without nightmares. You know, when she's not worried that, you know, their kid was injured. Like, these are the things that will actually redeem somebody who repeatedly and severely mistreated another person is when the effects of that mistreatment are offset. Yeah. And And there's no conversation around that. Really, it should come down to her when he's redeemed because she's the victim here. So who are we to tell... Her, oh no, he's fine now. We we we're we're good now. You go on with your life. No, he hit a home be, run in the playoffs. Yeah, no, we so love we're good him now. now. He the Cubs won. Get over it. No, it should be her decision to say, "I'm not over this. I don't like watching him every day. This hurts me. This hurts my family." I mean, I don't mean to put words in her mouth, but it should be her decision to make. And we should. And a common thread in a lot of these conversations is. Women need to be listened to, and especially when we're talking about their stories. And this is her story. This is not this is not Addison Russell's story. This is both of their stories. And the only person who's being centered in it is Russell. And that's that's a mistake. You know, and and um, I think Allison had brought up the incredible interview that she did with Kelly Wallace. And just everyone should read it. We're going to link it in the show post and on Twitter because it centers her story for once. And it gives us the opportunity to listen to what she has gone through and what her thoughts are on all of this. And it's about freaking time. Because the center is always around the abuser and how his life is being ruined by this. And like him being suspended is not ruining his life. Even if he was banned for, from baseball, that would not be ruining his life. I think what people don't understand is that things like, for example, playing Major League Baseball and making millions of dollars and have millions of adoring fans cheer you on every day, that is a privilege. That is not a right. Being appointed to the highest court in the land, that is a privilege. That is not a right. These aren't things that if they don't get them, their lives are ruined. When we talk about redemption, we mean... If he shows sincere, sincere regret about this, should it follow him for the rest of his life in every single facet of his life? No. 
is he allowed to have a life where he can be in peace and move on with his new family and, you know, have a decent job, make a living, live a life? Yes, every human being deserves a chance at that, even if they've done a terrible thing. But does he deserve the privilege of, be- of being a celebrity and making millions of dollars? Absolutely not. No, he doesn't. And is it in the best interest of society at large for him to be in a position of of leadership of modeling is is that what we want you know is that what i want my son to see as an appropriate way to live your life like it's this is not just any job this is a job where people look to you and respect you and respect needs to be earned and i have not seen anything that suggests that russell has earned any respect and I can't remember if it was him or if it was Azuna. I think somebody played beat it at the ballpark when he came up to bat or something. It's like, why? Where? There's no need for any of this. It's just making light of it or, you know, not taking it seriously. Like, ugh, I'm, I don't even have words to say how, how messed up that was. And then people... Just to seeing him, like, I know I put it on MLB Network one time, and Azuna was on the mound, and the crowd was cheering. And I was like, I can't, I can't stomach this. I need to turn it off. And, you know, I can't, if I feel that way, how many other women out there feel that way? I can't stomach watching Osuna pitch. And no. I couldn't, and I couldn't stomach watching Reyes on the Mets. I couldn't stomach Yeah, no. it made me feel sick every time he was up. And it's, it really, like, it, it really poisoned the, the right retirement game yeah. because... That was so hard because it Reyes was getting so much like, and they clearly orchestrated it that way. The Wilkins clearly orchestrated it that way, and that will bug me to the till the day I die, basically. Yep. And because it's it's a little bit of an elephant in the room, I do want to put out there that I have very complicated feelings about Familia on the team. Yes, I will say this doesn't negate the complicated feelings. Um, the the exact nature of what happened the night that he was arrested is somewhat fuzzier. Yeah, there certainly seems to be a strong indication that there was some self harm involved, which is not a total release from responsibility because self harm and threats of self harm are very common components of psychological abuse so that's not saying that like if it was a self-harm situation then oh well it wasn't abuse but it may have been more complicated and also again coming back to to kind of empathy and owning your mistakes I would say that Familia's public language around his suspension and the events that prompted it has been much more indicative of his truly understanding the 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 horrible nature of what happened and it again i my feelings are really mixed i don't want to give the impression that like well he gets a pass because he's on the mets it's not that he gets a pass there and he doesn't i mean and he i'm not okay with it completely anyway but it's more just that this complicated situation and that he also appears to have some level of um of understanding around it i agree with that overall my feelings about 
my feelings about Familiar are decidedly different than my feelings were about Reyes, which yes. is that, and it has nothing to do with the fact that there is a talent difference between them. It has nothing to do with that. Um, it, and All I, I said, it, I would still prefer Familiar not be on this team. Yes, I agree. I yeah. completely agree. Um, you know, <laughs> and it's, it, going back to what Linda said before about how teams make, you know, a, you know, economic decision regarding these things. And I think what's equally as disgusting as all of these um, people coming out to the media, whether it be players or ownership groups or general managers or whatever, and spitting out these redemption narratives are also the fact that they literally capitalize on these things to make their teams better for cheaper. That is the worst part of it. And that is why... That is why the Reyes situation was so goddamn horrible because they never would have been interested in him at the salary he was being paid, but they were able to acquire him for league minimum because his previous team released him because he abused his wife. And that is so disgusting to me. And the Mets aren't the only perpetrators of this you know we mentioned Osuna earlier in this segment he was traded for at the deadline and it was treated like you know like fun trade deadline banter like ooh, who's gonna get Osuna who's gonna get Osuna his price has dropped because of this and it was it was gross I got into an entire Twitter argument with I think Buster only about this <laughs> Yes, you did. I did. I got into an entire Twitter argument with Buster Olney about this at last year's trading deadline because I was infuriated when he just treated it like fun trade deadline banter. Stop fucking doing that. Yeah. What pissed me off to no end, too, was there was some outrage at the time. There were people saying this can't continue. There's an easy to fix. There's an easy fix for this. And that's to say people who get suspended for domestic violence are not eligible for the playoffs. And have we heard one word from MLB about that? No, we've heard about the three batter minimum. We've heard about pace of play. We've heard about the DH coming to the NL. But not one word on domestic violence has come out of Rob Manfred's mouth since that happened. Yep. And, and Osuna's getting his, club. yep. And yep. Osuna's getting his nice redemption narrative stories in the media as well. Like and they had players weekend jerseys ready for Osuna. So not only did he help them, you know, help them win baseball games, they wanted to profit off of him as well. Well, it's just another way that, women's trauma is marketed as an opportunity for men. And, you know, it's, it's the opportunity for Ozuna and for Russell to, to prove that they've overcome their hardship. And it's an opportunity for teams to add talented players at a discount. You know, it's, it's, it's like in action movies when the, the trope of the hero's girlfriend being attacked or raped as like, the spark to get the whole to like trigger the whole exciting plot and it's so it's so demoralizing and it's so minimizing to take you know these these truly traumatic events that happen primarily but not exclusively to women and to other vulnerable groups like children and to turn them into a man's story and also an opportunity yeah. yeah, it's also an opportunity to win ball games. Because Lou now said, oh, he's exactly the player we traded for, and we aired in communication when we said we had a zero-tolerance policy. No, your zero-tolerance policy was bullshit. 
that's what your error in communication was. You had a zero tolerance policy because it made you look good until there was uh-huh. a player you wanted. That's exactly what it is. Then yeah, all of a sudden ball, there's some conditional games. tolerance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, winning ball games is more important. We got that by your actions. Luna, you was, made that abundantly clear. And again, it goes back to talent being the bottom line because there was a player in the Astros organization who was a minor leaguer who had an incident where he assaulted a woman, I think in a hallway. Um, yes. and there was videotape of it, security footage of it. And he was immediately cut from the organization and multiple Astros players came out, you know, and this is exactly the type of stuff we want to see. It was encouraging to see. Justin Verlander came and Lance McCullers came out and said, this is unacceptable. We, we as an organization, zero tolerance for this. This is, don't do that. Like, this is bad. This is horrific. Like, I, I will not get along from a player that does this. And then Osuda's brought into the fold not too much later. And all of a sudden there's radio silence. Yes, I was going to say, all those same players that spoke out all of a sudden went quiet, which makes me think this is team-driven. But at the same time, like I said with Rizzo, Verlander, if you spoke out, really, would there be consequences? No, you're Justin Verlander. Well, it's also sad to see that society as a whole seems to demand video proof. Uh huh. There has to be a snuff film for it to actually garner anyone's attention. I think of, like, you know, Ray Rice. Everyone knew exactly what he did. There was no, like, doubt about the the intensity of his girlfriend's injuries. Like, that was all well established. Everyone's like, I don't know, we'll see, maybe suspension. And then the video comes out, and now everyone's taking it seriously. And, you know, I think it, it shows up in other cases, too. And it really sucks that if you don't literally have video of your trauma, that it's just not taken seriously. Yeah, it doesn't count, basically. You can kind of, you know, because you could still kind of cast it in your mind as like, oh, well, she must have done something to set him off. Yeah. Yeah, or she just wants money. That's usually the the thing. Oh, she just wants to get some money out of this. Yeah. And it, and it again goes back to what Maggie said earlier about the standards being different for, you know, baseball versus a court of law and how they should be different because you know these types of things like video evidence are you know the bar that you need to hit to be convicted of something in a court of law and none of us are disputing that that should be the case you know if you're being tried for an actual crime there should be evidence of that crime but we're not talking about throwing Addison Russell in jail. We're talking about that he shouldn't. I would like to talk to throw. To talk yeah. About okay. Sure. <laughs> That's still on the table. Fair. Fair. But what I am saying is, like, we don't have people are talking about how these standards should be the same, but they shouldn't be. <laughs> you know, just because there might not be, just because a woman is not cooperating with. Um, you know, law enforcement for her own personal reasons that we've already been over that, you know, are complex and multi-layered. Just because that is what's occurring, just because he hasn't been sent to jail or convicted of a crime, doesn't mean that he doesn't deserve to be banned from baseball or suspended from baseball. (laughs) Well, I also love how, you know, MLB has made no bones about what their priorities are. Stephen Wright has been suspended two times his suspension for peds was a lot higher than his suspension for domestic violence you are and not eligible I, for the playoffs if you have a performance a enhancing drug yep. ex- uh, suspension you are eligible for the playoffs if you have a domestic violence suspension mlb and, takes 
steroids more seriously than abuse of women, period. And I know their argument is, well, you know, PEDs actually affects the game on the field. But Forward being the game. The game, yeah. So, and also my, it, domestic violence affects everyone. Do you want, want to tell D Gordon domestic violence is a non-issue? I highly recommend everyone go read Dee Gordon's experience um, growing up with um, domestic violence. It's a hard read, you know, again, yeah. content warnings abound. It's a very difficult read to get through, but it's worth it if you if you are able to get through it. It's and, worth it. And Dee Gordon is somebody who's also been suspended for PEDs, but I have no issue with him, you know, playing the game. I, I don't I don't hold him. I don't have any grudges towards him. I don't have any grudges towards Cano. Yes, I know he's on the Mets, so I might be biased. But but you know what? I do have an issue with Ozuna, and that affects the game. That affects my viewership. That affects that affects many others. I'm sure. I in that P, the Ozuna redemption piece, they talked to a woman who said she had mixed feelings about about him being on the team. So yeah, that affects the game too. You're always talking about, oh, attendance is down, attendance is down. Well, you're sending signals to women that they're not important. Right. And their issues aren't important. So that does affect the game. Right. And it's not only, you know, it's it this this has a domino effect. It's not only that you are sending the message to victims that they don't matter. You are sending the message to all female sports fans that uh-huh. they don't matter. And it's, it's, and I made a tweet like this when, you know, the Addison Russell fluff piece came out. Um, I made a tweet, something to akin to, you know, it's really, really hurtful, acutely hurtful. Every time I am reminded that the sport I love doesn't love me back every time. And it, this is the most I've felt it after I read that Russell piece. It was the most I felt it since the David Wright's last game. That was when I last felt it this acutely. And it it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. It a does. Lot. I agree. Yeah. Yes. I agree. Um. So, you know, on that note, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's been a tough episode. Um. But as always, we will wrap things up with walk off wins. Um. To kind of you know bring the mood up a little bit. Um. So Linda and I actually have a joint walk off win this. We week. do. <laughs> Um, so to tell the background story of this, um, Passover was not too long ago. It was April 19th through 27th and I'm recording this on May 7th. So it was a couple weeks ago. Um, my, one of my traditions, um, on Passover, I am half Jewish. My mother is Jewish and my dad is Catholic. Um, so one of my traditions during Passover time, and it has been my tradition for as long as I can remember, is I watch Prince of Egypt. Um, for those of you who are not familiar, it is a DreamWorks animated film that came out in the late 90s, I think 1998, um, about, you know, the story of Moses. Um, and I grew up with it, with watching it with my grandparents. Um, and I, in my view, it is one of the most underrated animated movies of all time. Uh, in the Amazing Avenue Slack, when I mentioned I was going to watch it and I hyped it up a lot, Linda said, oh, damn, I didn't know that this cast was so stacked. And I was like, telling you, Linda, gotta watch this. And so, It's like an all-star team. It is. And so Linda finally watched it and live slacked her all of her thoughts to me while she watched it. And it was the highlight of my week. So Linda, tell us all your thoughts about Prince of Egypt. Well, you know, because, you know, we all know the song with um, Mariah Carey and 
Whitney Houston. Uh, it won the Oscar for best song that year. Uh, I remember hearing it like it was everywhere, but for some reason, I just never saw the movie, which is weird for me because I, as a kid, I would go see all the animated movies. But then, yeah, so then I look at the cast and it's Val Kilmer, it's Ray Fiennes, it's Sandra Bullock, it's Jeff Goldblum, it's uh, Sir Patrick Stewart, for God's sake, Helen Mirren, um, and Steve Martin. Loaded. (laughs) Yes, Steve Martin and Martin Short. Like, it's literally an all-star cast. And so I finally got it. And, you know, um, was it you or Kellyanne said they worked hard on making it realistic? Like they I think that was Kellyanne that said that. Yeah, they didn't want to shy away from how the slaves were treated in Egypt. And she was totally right. It was pretty jarring. But, um, but Ray Fiennes is perfect as Ramsey's. Like, even though you still kind of hear Voldemort when he talks. Oh, my um, God, I know. Yeah, for those of you who don't like, know, Ralph Fiennes, who's the voice actor for Ramesses, who is, uh, is Moses' um, you know, brother. adopted brother um, and goes on to become Pharaoh. Um, and he's the one who he confronts to let my people go, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, he is voiced by Ralph Fiennes, and he is the same voice actor that plays Voldemort in the Voldemort. Harry Potter films. So you are so very familiar with him as a villain already going into this. And so you can hear Voldemort's voice, and it's just like, ooh, it's such chills down your spine. Okay, but he's just so good, oh, too. So good in this. Like and I would argue he's even better than in this than he is in the Harry Potter films. And yes. I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Um I he, kind of agree with that. Yeah, the confrontation with Moses, like, oh what like the his voice quivers and it's like, oh my god, this is oh, this is amazing. When he just and, that deep booming voice says, I do not know this God, neither will I let your people go. And it's just like oh <laughs> and the the soundtrack, god. the soundtrack is so epic it's so good it's uh, oh god like one of the best animated film soundtracks you'll find um so you know highly recommend (laughs) if you have never seen prince of egypt i highly recommend going back into your time machine to the late 90s and (laughs) taking a journey back um to you know uh watch the story of moses it's it sounds lame but it's a really good movie i promise you it's so good yeah, I'm sure everybody's heard the song. What what is the song that, that Mariah Carey and Whitney used to do? When you believe. Yes, when you believe. Like, but even in the movie, it's not them who sings it. It's just two women, and there's very little music in it, and they have these beautiful voices, and it's like it's just like the way it's shot and the way the the the, the story at the time. Like, it's just so beautifully put together. And, you know, you get chills, you get tears in your eyes, and then, like, it, it's it's so well done. And I also forgot Mel- Michelle Pfeiffer. She plays Moses' wife. Um, but, like, and then I think you said they had... Sandra Bullock plays plot. his sister. Yeah, and Jeff Goldblum is 100% Jeff Goldblum, too. Like, that yeah. comes through even in animation. <laughs> it's just the voice acting in this movie is, is incredible. The soundtrack is incredible. The story yeah. is great. It's a classic, obviously. As classic as you get. Um, so, yeah, that's mine and Linda's joint walk-off yes. win. Um, watch Prince of Egypt, the classic DreamWorks animated film. <laughs> we are obsessed. <laughs> so, Maggie, what is your walk-off win for this week? Well, mine feels much less epic. <laughs> But no, it it's epic totally it's epic. Totally way. epic. <laughs> um, so my walk-off win was uh, was Cindergard's amazing game last uh, last week. So I um, 
I took a vacation day and kept my little girl, who was two, home from nursery school so we could go out to City Field. And I knew Syndergaard was starting. He'd been doing pretty rough. And he threw a complete game shutout. He hit a home run. It was a beautiful day, even though it was supposed to be overcast. It was not. It was sunny. It was gorgeous. Ellie had an amazing time. I had an amazing time. And Noah Syndergaard was basically a Norse god. So it was a wonderful game. I'm so happy to see Syndergaard really getting his game together because I think he just has just so much potential. And at this point, he's he's now, I think, officially underrated. You know, he has like, he has a, a career ERA under three and people talk about how like he hasn't quite put it together yet. Um, but, but he's a great pitcher and we're so lucky to have him. And I was really lucky to get to see that game last week. So and that's when, my walk off win. Yeah. And when he's on, he, he is so fun to watch. Oh, like, God. yeah, it's like, you can't take your eyes away from the screen. Like I, I can only imagine what that was like in person. He it was, a, it was great. He had a little Even from league where day. we were sitting. <laughs> he had a little league day as we like to call it. And yes. such a feat as in. Winning, like, pitching a complete game shutout and winning one nothing, where the pitcher drives in the only run, like b- via home run, had not happened since 1983. Such a feat had not occurred since 1983. So it's, you know, something really special. And that's like, that's the essence of baseball that we say all the time. Like one of the best things about baseball is that you, you every time you come to the ballpark, something might happen that you've never gotten to see before. So that's really, really cool. Um, yeah. And Oh, there was something else I was going to say about Syndergaard, and now I can't remember Well, it was the first time it was done in Mets history. Yes, it is the first time that a Met has ever done it. Yep. So that's super, super cool. Oh, the other thing I was going to say is that we record, and I feel like it's appropriate that we talk about this as we record this on the anniversary of the Bartolo Colon home run. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is one of the most epic moments in Mets history, nay, in all of sports history. <laughs> and it would not have happened, nor would Syndergaard's epic day have happened, if there would be, if there had been the designated hitter in the National League. So, once again, a pot of their own anti-designated hitter in the National <laughs> no League. No DH. Hashtag no DH. Hashtag, Hashtag pitchers who pitchers rake. Who rake. <laughs> Hashtag no crying in baseball. Hashtag also no DH in baseball. No DH. Um... So we will finally wrap things up with an update on our uh, Jacob deGrom bobblehead giveaway. We had tasked our our listeners with tweeting us screenshots of their iTunes reviews to be entered to win um, a bobblehead. So Maggie is now going to read our favorite one. So I want to just, I, I want to start by thanking everybody who participated because it really, like, it brought so many smiles to our faces and actually really helps the podcast get, um, get promoted on iTunes. It's, it's just because the giveaway is ending. I hope, um, I hope the, the reviews don't stop because they, they are really just one of the most helpful things you guys can do to boost the pod. But, um, so we're going to announce on Twitter on Wednesday morning the um, the winner of the random drawing for the bobblehead. But I could not go by without um, shouting out Robin Brunel, who's on Twitter, at Robin Brunel, who, um, who wrote us just the absolute funniest thing I've ever read. And I'm going to try to get through it right now. Um, 
so the title is a pot of their own of their own hits it out of here out of here yes we got the double out of here out of here no doubter about it a pot of their own is the best Mets podcast it's simply a Mats terpiece we should all McNeil down before the glory of this show as listeners we learn so much from the excellent hosts Allison Linda and Maggie who clearly know a lot about the Mets the comfortable rapport with each other makes for an entertaining show about Mets baseball and other often overlooked ideas and issues within the sport. One can only hope that it continues for seasons to come because they are doing it right. I would recommend this show with reckless a Brandon. Reckless a Brandon. It polar bears repeating it's a double listen to this show so thank you robin this was just amazing to get thank you everyone for participating um and again wednesday morning just about the time that this show is dropping we'll be tweeting on facebook the or on not on we will not be tweeting anything on facebook we'll be (laughs) tweeting on twitter the the winner of the bobblehead so thank you all Yes, so um, that does it for this week's episode. Um, Like Maggie said, please, please, please keep reviewing. If you like the show, keep reviewing the show on iTunes. It really, really helps, Um, even when there isn't the incentive of of a DeGrom bobblehead. If you enjoy the show, the easiest thing you can do to support the show is to um, review it on iTunes and get us. It helps other people find the show, so it's really helpful. So please keep doing that. In the meantime, you can go to AmazonAvenue.com for all of our fantastic Mets-related content, as always. We plugged Maggie's piece in the beginning of the show about um, trying to figure out where all the Mets offense has gone, so you can find that, along with our game recaps and all of our other daily news posts and fantastic content. Um, Please follow Amazon Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Amazon Avenue. Um, You can follow me on Twitter. I am at PetitePhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Surovich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. You can follow each of us. You can follow the show on Twitter, at a pod of their own. Um, the original music in this intro and outro for this show and all of the other shows is by Bunga. Um, and let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in podcasting.